Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Welcome to the final peek inside to my live coaching that I do through the Behavior Blueprint sessions. For this one, I decided to give you a little bit more in-depth look, so a little bit more of the session. The only thing I really cut out was more of the longer explanations of different things. For example, special time. I talked a lot about what that was and how to implement it, and if that's something that you want to learn more about, you can go to episode number one, and it talks all about that, or you can um, click in the show notes and get the special time ebook for free. So I didn't want to include that because that's something you can get elsewhere if you want to, but I really wanted you to get a focus on what we actually go through in the sessions. I also just want to put it out there that after doing these sessions to air on the podcast, I switched the options that I am going to provide. Initially, I was going to allow just a one session as you wanted, but as I was doing these, I realized that that's not enough, that I believe in order to get the full benefit from these sessions, there at least has to be two. An initial and a follow-up with Voxer access in between so that you can be asking me questions and we can be problem-solving in the midst of your implementing. There are also two additional options for more sessions, um, depending on how intense the behavior is and how you, you know how much you want to learn these strategies, how much you want to be implementing. And the last thing I want to say is that because this was only one session, I did cover more than one connection strategy at a time. But as we dive in together, they will be a little bit different depending on how much you can take in. I never want them to be overwhelming. So some of these sessions, we talked about several different strategies, but going forward, based on what you and your child's needs are, that may or may not be the case. I just want to make sure that the information that you are getting can be taken in and implemented and is not overwhelming. So if you choose one of the bigger packages with more sessions, each session would cover one strategy. There might be a little bit of overlap, but we would focus more on one strategy versus talking through a couple different ones. And then you will also get some listening partnership time so that you have the opportunity to work on managing and healing your own triggers. So if that's something that you want to do, or if you're like, I need some more information, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the detailed 
page. And then you can also book a discovery call if you're like, I think this might be something I want to do, but I'm not fully sure. I have a couple questions. So you can click that. We can set up a 10 to 15 minute call and you could get your questions answered and then determine from there if it's something that you really want to do or not. So let's dive into this final episode of the live coaching behind the scenes. Um, so our three and a half year old, he's our second. We also have a s- almost seven year old. Um, and like I teach, this will be the youngest I've te- taught is the third graders. So like my experiences with older kids and then with my first, our first kid um, who has like never had behavior problems, like listens, like we barely ever have to discipline him. Like he's kind of a, like he wants to do the right thing. He doesn't like being redirected or anything. So all of this with Lawson, who's our three and a half year old is super new to us. Um, But he just is super defiant. Um, Redirection of any kind makes him like angry. Um, Even if even if it's like he's not in trouble, like we try not to like punish our kids. Like we try to like, I mean, if they're playing aggressively with something, then we'll give them a warning and take the toy away. Or if he is throwing like a tantrum, like we try to validate his feelings, but if it's becoming like a, I guess like a disruption or like he'll hurt himself or he'll kick, punch, pull hair. And so I'll try to take him into like a bedroom by himself or he will, um, we've tried like taking a break and having like a chair that he sits in, but he won't stay in it. Um, and we'll like put him back and put him back and then I'll sit with him and like, we'll hold him there and he'll and he just, laughs the whole time. yeah. And then he thinks it's funny. He'll like try to headbutt me, pull my hair. Like sometimes he throws like tantrums and we'll get super aggressive and like violent, but I can't even like, I'll try to just like hug him so that he can't like punch me or pull my hair, but it's like, he fight, like, I can't, like, I can't hold him down. And then um, if I let him go, he might like break something. He'll like pull his own hair, punch himself. He uses like phrases and stuff a lot that are concerning to me. Like he says he's a bad boy all the time. And like, we don't use that kind of language like we don't ever well Well, yeah maybe to our dogs (laughs) (laughs) but like to our kids like we've never told him he's bad like I would be shocked if we even said like you're being bad like I don't think that's something we say um he'll also say like like I I just like what does he say about like being dead like I just like I'm just gonna be dead or I'm gonna something like that like he just says weird things that I'm just like where is this coming from like he'll say like I'm gonna destroy you or I'm gonna like punch you in the face and like stuff like that that's weird um he like purposely tries to like if I if like at the dinner table he won't sit at the dinner table like he's just up and down up and down um eating is another issue like and seems to be somewhat of a trigger like I feel like he's hungry all the time because he barely eats um he's very driven by sugar but we don't I mean we definitely feed him more sugar than we did our first because we did everything like perfect with him like no sugar no tv (laughs) and then the second one came and we're just like here yeah Um, but I mean I still feel like probably in comparison to the rest of the country like we've he gets 
he eats like or is offered good food um but like he literally wakes up in the morning and wants sugar and he'll throw a fit like within the first two minutes of waking up because i won't give him sugar for breakfast so <laughs> there's already a fit happening <laughs> so when you say like throw a fit do you mean like he's going into the aggression stuff where he's either hurting himself or you or does he ever actually cry like tantrum cry or is it more just he is into the defiance and the anger and the aggression it usually starts with the defiance anger aggression like crying is usually only when he's like hurt um but I have and I'm sure this is like a bad thing to do but like when he's being like he'll literally like throw stuff like he'll knock over drinks like he'll just be and he'll try to throw like hard things like at my other son when he's like mad and just like going on these rampages and so I'll like try to hug him I'll get I'll try to like calm him down and if it doesn't work then I'll say like okay you're gonna need to go take a break in the bedroom because you can't be out here like because you're hurting people or you're breaking stuff like so I need you to like take a I need to put you in the bedroom and sometimes I stay with him sometimes I don't um if I stay with him sometimes he keeps doing the like throwing stuff um so I'll shut the door and I just hold it for like a second because it doesn't have a lock and he'll like try to get out once and then I just let go and he'll usually stay in there for a minute or two but he cries the whole time and like yells for me and says like there's bad guys in here and like cries and so then I go back in it's probably like a minute because i probably can't stand him crying more than that so he doesn't like so in that case he'll cry but he usually I mean I guess if you take something away or say no sugar he will cry but it's like not like sadness it's like anger <laughs> and it's usually accompanied by those aggressive things okay is there any specific time when you started noticing a shift more to this type of behavior or has he always just seemed that way and is it a lot of times, um, I know he does a lot of stuff, but is there a lot towards your other son? Like, um, so I've noticed it forever. Like I've always known he's diff, like he's harder. He's always been more difficult. But I would say in the last like six months, maybe, or no, it's been yeah. worse. Yeah. Six months to a year. Um, and I mean, it's pretty equal between us and my son, other son, he does not, um, he doesn't have any problems at school though. So it's just around, it's just at home, okay. which as a teacher, I'm happy about. Cause that, like, they always say that they're the worst, wherever they're most comfortable and feel safest. So I guess that's a good thing, but it's really hard at home and like, it's exhausting. <laughs> And then I don't, and then I don't regulate myself very well either, because sometimes it just gets to be too much. And then I basically throw a tantrum. No, not quite, but I mean, it's upsetting for me too. Um, so I think there's a lot to unpack here. Um, first, you know, I know you said you generally work with older kids. So, you know, I, I have, but my specialty is more of the younger one. So I don't know how much you know, this is covered and that sort of thing, but kids do not care what kind of attention you're giving them, you know? So even if you're trying, like when he's being defiant, he's getting your attention. He doesn't care if it's bad because all he is screaming for right now 
is that connection and attention. So if, if he's getting a lot of it, mostly when he's being bad or however you want to put it aggressive, because you, you have to obviously intervene, then it's almost kind of reinforcing it. And I don't know, like maybe now it's kind of gotten to a point where that's kind of how it is most of the time. I'm curious when you said, like, if you leave the room and he's crying, when you come back, does he stop right away? Usually, yeah. He, he'll, like, actually let me, like, hold him or what I, or give him, like, affection or whatever. Um, it, like, changes from anger to, like, well, he's making it seem like fear. I mean, if he is afraid, that's concerning. But I don't know if that's, like, a manipulation thing because he literally says there's bad guys in here. And that's weird. I <laughs> don't know why he's saying that. It could be he's being triggered into fear. That separation from you is enough for him. I don't know. Was there ever some kind of separation or um, that you can think of that's, or has he had trouble like being away from you with daycare? Yeah. Daycare. Yeah. It's been harder for him. Cause like when he was born, just like the timing, like he didn't really have to go to daycare. I had maternity leave and then summer vacation. And then he only went to daycare for a little bit and then COVID happened. And so he was home with me for like a year and a half. Um, we had a nanny for part of it, but like I was still here. So I would like have lunch with them. He could like come see me whenever he wanted. Um, so he wasn't, he was like two and a half when he first went to daycare and he, it was, it's been a hard go at the daycare thing. Like, cause what so it's been like over a year that he's been, or he went all last school year but it's still never the crying at drop off, like never ended. I mean, it would, it would be okay. Like there would be days where he didn't cry, but it wasn't like he just cried the first week. And then after that was fine. It was like, he'll cry like two times a week that I drop him off for the whole year. And he doesn't want me to go. I also don't know how I like, there's also some stuff with his daycare classroom that I. We're changing uh, his daycare this year yeah it was it's like a classroom where and I do feel like his behavior got worse since teacher Haley left but it was um the threes classroom they're three and four and it's like a big classroom none of the teachers I guess like being in that room because it's so chaotic and he had a really good teacher that I had a great rapport with she has a son she just seemed more experienced there are five, at least five kids in that classroom that get that receive speech services and Lawson is one of them but he's one of the more mild cases like he can communicate for the most part but they have like a nonverbal child in there they have kids that struggle more which is really frustrating and comes out for the kids and comes out you know in their behavior if you can't communicate um and he was like coming home with like scrapes on his face and then um his teacher moved to the second there was an opening to a different classroom and they had like two young girls who probably don't have a lot of experience. They're super nice, but you know, that's a tough group. And on his second to last day of school, I was watching through the window and like this little girl um, 
they were fighting over a toy and this little girl like slammed him in the face with her whole hand and he she's like a foot taller than him and he fell onto the ground and she got on top of him like straddling him and he was facing up and she grabbed like the front of his hair right here with both fists and was just like yanking it and his head was like coming up and slamming on the ground and I was like sitting there watching like not wanting to move because I wanted to make sure a teacher was going to stop it but no teacher noticed and then it got like scary so I ran to the door and ran in and I like screamed and ran across the room and took the little girl off of him and picked him up and he was hysterical like sobbing yelling for me um and I just like walked out and then we're not taking him back there now because I also they didn't really respond very like when I brought it up they kind of just like brushed it off and I'm just like no like this isn't nor like I'm so easygoing about that stuff like if he gets bit at school I'm like "Eh, that happens but this was different And after that, I do feel like his behavior got worse. And that's when the hair pulling started because he didn't use to pull hair. He did use to hit and punch and say his things that he says. But then that just added the hair pulling and he'll pull his own hair too. Like if he's doing the wrong thing and he'll just be like, well, I'm a bad boy. And then he just yanks on his hair and he'll try to pull on our hair. So that I know when that part started. Yeah. Poor guy. So you said when we started talking six to 12 months is when you notice the aggression. You also just said that room or he has been back in daycare about a year. So I think that the separation from you into daycare was really hard. Plus the fact that he doesn't probably feel safe at daycare because of all the things you're describing. And the reason he never stopped crying is because when you separate from him, drop him off at daycare, you're triggering that fear or whatever that feeling is that's causing him to then cry and start to process feelings. But when you leave, he doesn't feel safe to continue processing. So a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, like you dropped him off, he cried for a minute and then they were fine. And that's true. They looked like they were fine but they stopped crying because they don't feel safe to share their feelings. You know, when you're sharing crying, that's very vulnerable. So you're not just going to like go and cry in front of anyone, right? Like if you're never thought about that before, I always, am like, Oh good. They stopped crying. But yeah. Cause I would always check in and be like, is he okay now? But that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And And that makes me sad that they're not like noticing because when kids are in an environment, they're, their body is like part of one of the processes interoception of our body is to scan around and say, who's in charge, who's paying attention to me, who's keeping me safe. And when they can't find that, then they are in that fight or flight constantly. And if he's not having behaviors there, he is working overtime to keep that under control. So then when he gets home, he literally has no ability to control all of the things that he has been containing for however long, you know, he was in, in daycare for plus kids will, you know, aggression just comes like when we're super angry, we might want to punch a wall too. Like we don't have to see somebody do that to, we have that natural instinct, but also when we're modeled something, we tend to pick that up too when you have all these big feelings then you can think about it for yourself too. Like when you're super stressed and you're piling on a lot of stuff, sometimes it can be hard to 
um, just describe that to somebody or ask for help. And then all of a sudden somebody might do something to you and it all comes flooding out and they don't necessarily, you know, you might have this big cry or, or whatever, and they're not necessarily helping you solve anything, but afterwards you feel like, okay, I can do this now. Here's what I can do. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, like I, I know how to do this now. And that's because when you are, when you have so many feelings, your body is working really hard to contain that. It's taking up a lot of brain space. So when you can process through that, your brain isn't working so hard. So you can actually now think. So that's why we notice after we can actually process things, better impulse control, better behavior, because they can actually think about like, oh, what should I do here? Not knock this cup off the counter because I'm so impulsive or, or whatever I can say, Hmm, not supposed to knock that down. I'm going to go over here and play instead. So for him, we need to get to a place where we can build connection because that's really going to create the safety and the trust to start letting all those feelings out because we really need to get him to cry and cry with you there. I mean, it might've been enough of a little bit of a cry where then he's like, okay, I can come out of it a little bit. Well, I don't mean he saw it. Like he's still, when I walk, go in there, he is still crying and then I'll hold him and he cries, but then he'll stop. Like, okay. And his tantrum ended, he cries. Then when I go in and pick him up, he'll like cry for a minute and we'll t- like, we kind of, but it's not very long. Like he'll cry while I hold him for like a minute or two and then he stops and then he's totally reset and fine. Okay. So um, that little bit of crying at least is giving him enough relief so he can be reset a little bit, but we want to try to extend that period of crying so that he can actually process through some deeper feelings and like get, because when we're only processing a little bit, you know, he's got this huge full backpack, we call it an emotional backpack of stuff, separation, anxiety, the safety, all that kind of stuff all jumbled up in there. And when he's not processing through a lot of that, so you're going to see more of a, like, he's okay for a little bit and then he's back into the behaviors and maybe then he's okay for a couple minutes or an hour. And then he's back into it. Once we can offload more, then he can spend more time in that regulated, more appropriate type of behavior versus almost like more of the constant defiance and aggression mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So, and it, it's con- like, I feel like I spend every day walking on eggshells, like what's going to make him mad. Like, mm-hmm. um, and even my other son, sometimes I feel bad. Cause like, I'll just like, he kind of has to go with it. Cause I don't want to like poke the bear. So I'll just, if Lawson like takes a, something from him I'll just be like I'll just let him sometimes because I don't want to have a huge meltdown I hate to burst your bubble but that's what we're gonna do (laughs) (laughs) so first have you ever heard of special time no unless that's what it sounds like I mean I don't know that one-on-one time Yeah. yeah so this is what I want you to start first Special time is going to be a huge catalyst for you to start transforming some of these behaviors. So there's two parts. We need to create connection, which is what we're going to do through special time. And then we're going to, we are going to do some listening and really try to work on listening through feelings and increasing how long he has those feelings for. 
Yeah, and the other day when he had a that I don't know if this is like similar to that or like what the idea was, but I don't remember what his thing was. He was throwing stuff, and I just knew it, and I didn't want to do the bedroom thing <laughs> because I just I don't know. I just didn't want to. And my son was my other son was somewhere else, and so I was like oh, do you want to play Legos with me to Lawson? And he, like, that kind of snapped him out of his thing. And we, like, went and played Legos for, like, 20 minutes. And it, like, completely, he was fine. Like, he didn't escalate. We just played Legos. And then we even talked about, like, I was, like, when I get frustrated, sometimes, like, I just take deep breaths and, like, close my eyes. And then he was, like, practicing that. And we played Legos and then for 20 minutes. And then he was totally fine. Mm-hmm. but then that made me feel like a jerk because I'm like great is that why he's throwing a fit because he just wants me to play with him well I think you know it and it's it doesn't mean that there's any like I think a lot of times people feel a lot of guilt there I do think it's because he needs more connection I don't think it means that you're doing anything wrong I think it just means he has a lot of things that he's struggling with And then those cause behavior, which is not pleasant, which tends to then cause more disconnection, you know, whether it's like going to his room or, you know, it's really hard to sit through and stay controlled ourselves because it's really, it is really challenging behavior. And that just creates more of that divide. So he's already like feeling, you know, just think about like, if, if you guys were in a fight, for example, and you have all these deep, like hurt feelings, and he's not understanding what you're saying. And there's some like, maybe fighting back and forth. And you're just like, just give me a hug, you know, thinking inside, like, just listen to me or just like, give me a hug. I just need some support or whatever. And he's not getting that. And then you're distancing and it feels more difficult and nothing was resolved. That's, kind of like what's going on here. You know, he doesn't know how to say like, I'm really fearful of separating or like, I feel like I really just need more of your attention or whatever it might be. He can't communicate that. So by creating more points of connection, I think that's going to really take a lot of the aggression away. Like you already said, even just playing Legos, it's not something he specifically chose to do, um, but he enjoyed it. So I would for sure do special time. And he doesn't get, they never get one-on-one time with us. That's something we're not good at because we literally, we co-sleep. So they both sleep in our room. Like we're just together all the time. Like there's not, they are like super involved in, I mean, like they'll help cook dinner. Like if Mm -hmm. we're out working in the yard, they're out. Like we're all together a lot, but it's not one-on-one time. Yeah. So if you guys can work out a time where, you know, either like you do 20 minutes and you do 20 minutes and then the next night you switch or you each do 10 or 15 or whatever you have time for. And then you, you know, switch kids or something. I think it would be great for both of them, especially with what you're saying about your oldest. It's good for everyone. Every child, I think, needs special time, whether they look like they do or not. And sometimes the kids that look like they don't need it are the ones that need it most because they don't look like they do, but they're, they tend to hold in feelings a little bit more because they know what's right and wrong, you know, and they're trying really hard to not do the wrong thing. So, um, yeah, if you can, if you can fit that in. And then, so for his, cause he, I did get him enrolled in a different preschool, um, because I was traumatized by what happened at the other place too. Um, but how would you recommend like, 
like how can we avoid this happening again aside from hopefully the it's just a better structure and my kids aren't going to get like beat up um but like what what can I do or can we do to help him have it like good to do like gradually we can't oh, we can no because oh, it's like an actual preschool it's not like where we were going it's more like that was like a daycare preschool this is like it starts on september 6th and that is when he can go but they do have like a meet the teacher night so we'll make sure we do all that i didn't know if that part was kind of flexible no that's the part is less flexible um so what i would say so we talked about the connection part which is special time the second part is once he starts to cry or even as he's aggressive really sitting with him in that and letting once you can like I was talking in my stories the other day about like our feelings being like this ball and when we have all this fear for whatever that is it sits on top of all of our feelings and we're not getting to those deep feelings until we can remove that layer of fear which is like all the aggression that we're seeing because again that's not really processing the feelings so once we can get through that feelings tend to come out then like you might um start like, like you said, kind of, um, but you start with the aggression and as you support him through it and keep him safe and help him to realize like, I'm, I'm okay. Like not okay, but okay. In the sense that I am still going to be here to help you. It's, it's, um, it's not going to scare me away. It's not gonna like upset me so much that I can't handle it, that sort of thing. Then the deeper feelings of the crying should start to come out. So the goal what is if like, I can't last, I mean, he literally hurt. It's like not safe. Like he will like throw like metal things at me and like yank my hair out. I mean, so sometimes I can't actually sit there with him in it. So there's a few things that I would start to say. And that is, um, when is, oh, see, like, this is an, like, he's also started this thing. He's done it for a while. He'll ask if we're happy or he'll say, are you mad at me? Like he just came and said that he maybe can't tell, you know, because he's can't fully think clear all the time, or he's concerned that you're not, you know, because the thing is, is that kids don't want, you know, they don't want to hurt people, especially you, but they can't help it. You know, they just can't. So what I would say when he becomes aggressive is to speak to the fear that he's having. So knowing that the aggression is really fear and being separated from you or not feeling safe, even even though he could feel completely safe with you, but when he's triggered for whatever reason, the thing about feelings is that when we first feel whatever that is, we lump that together with an experience, with a feeling, and we are transported back to how we felt then. So even if he is in a safe place in your home with you, if he's triggered, he's going to feel like that same, you know, unsafe, really fearful. Those, all those feelings are what he's feeling inside, even though that doesn't really make sense. And so when you start to see aggression come out, if you can contain him, I think it's fine to take him to his room. Um, because then if you can let go and he can, have more space, but you know that he's contained and he's not going to be knocking stuff down. And even if he's throwing, you know, he's not going to be like destroying the house, um, taking him to a separate room 
and just speaking things to him like you're safe um because okay that's what i was wondering if i should actually say those like try to speak to what might be going on speak to the fear speak to the worry about separation like i'm going to stay with you or i'm right here with you you're safe and it's about you know it's like 80 percent listening 20 percent providing cues so as he's having the feelings you're safe i'm right here with you having the feelings you're safe. I'm right here with you. And you can just say those same things. You don't have to try to think of all these different things to say. And if you can't in the moment, you can't think of anything, just doing your best to remember, like you're safe. You don't have to say all, you don't have to validate feelings. You don't have to say all this stuff because the truth is it is good to be like, I understand you feel that way, but sometimes that can kick things up. Sometimes we don't always know, like we can see the aggression and say, like, I see you're really mad, but really it could be, he's really fearful. He's afraid to separate. He's, you know, all these other things that we're then misinterpreting. So what I always tell people is if you're going to say anything, say what you see. So like, you really want to hit me right now. I'm going to block you so that we're both safe or something, or just don't say anything except for like, you're safe. I'm right here. We don't have to try to explain all these things because he can't take it in anyways. But if he's in that deep fear spot and you're kind of speaking in and he's hearing you every now and then being like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm right here with mom. I'm safe or dad or whatever, you know, then he kind of comes back. He can still have the feelings, but he can still feel like he's safe to have those feelings. And then they can start to come out a little bit more. And if, If you are like, I literally can't keep my cool. I would much rather you like tag team. If you can, if you're both home, swap out. It's usually just with me, but it does happen with you sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, I'm the one home all day when during the summer. Or you can just say, instead of just leaving, I would say, you know, like I need to go get a drink or something really simple. That sounds like it has nothing to do with him because we don't want to feed into the fact that you can't handle it. You know, I'm not going to say it's not hard because there are still days that I'm like, I can't take this, you know, like it is very challenging, but if you can say, you know, I need to go get a drink or I need to go to the bathroom, I'm going to close the door so that you're safe. And I will come right back when I'm done so that you're not just going out. And he's like, you know, then all that fear is kind of cropping up more because now there's separation that, you know, amps it up a little bit, brings those feelings out a little bit more. Yeah. So if Um, you break and you can't get through it, take one because it's much better to take, you know, like if you can make it five minutes and then you take a break and then you can make it five more minutes and then you take a quick break, that's much better for him than you're able to go 10 or 15 minutes and then you can't do it anymore. And then, and then you're kind of, like you've resolved some, or you've kind of built a little bit there, but then you're kind of blocking it almost, you know? So the goal would be to do whatever you need to, to try to stay as calm as you can. And again, reminding yourself of why he is doing this and that he just really needs to feel safety. Um, And it's not necessarily because of you. It's because of other situations that have built up these little hurts along the way that he just hasn't fully processed through. Well, and it's interesting because I guess, I mean, and this is probably normal, but 
I guess like everything that triggers him, like while they might be different situations, they're all related to the like he's not in control. Like, and he doesn't like that. Like, if I say he can't do something or can't have something that he wants or wants to do, that's usually a trigger. And then it's also interesting, just the separation thing, because he often cries, like, I mean, 80% of the mornings when he wakes up and my husband's gone at work, like, he wakes up crying because he's not there. So I would say if he's already crying... Cause I don't know what, like, what are you doing then? Like, are you trying to move him along? Like, how does that play out? In the morning time when he wakes yeah. up like that, um, it's, and it's gotten a little better because his work schedule changed. But now that we're on summer, we're sleeping when he goes to work. So it's like kind of coming back again. Um, but I'll usually just like hug him and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I, he'll be home at dinner or I'll say, which you probably hate this because it's kind of depressing, but I'll be like, well, do you want to call daddy and tell him good morning? And a lot of times we'll do that. And it, I mean, it makes it worse. And I mean, sometimes it's better. Yeah. Sometimes it makes it worse. And sometimes it, most of the time it's just the same. Like, yeah. After that conversation, as he was before, so yeah, I would say really take hold of that opportunity because he's already crying, and it's specifically about separation. So that's what, like, it sounds like. I mean, I think there's the fear and the safety there with the daycare stuff lobbed in there, but I think it's there's a lot of that separation. That's probably what initially it was because he had to go to daycare and he wasn't used to that. And that's hard for kids in general, but then, you know, you add some of the other stuff. So if he's already crying, what I want you to try is just to sit with him in it. Like, um, I mean, you can certainly call, but I would maybe hold that off till the end. So don't try to distract him. Don't try to say like, he'll be back at this time because it's not really going to make a difference. And really what we want to do is keep the crying going because crying means he's healing those hurts, especially when, I mean, when you're supporting him, you know, if he's just crying off on his own, he, he a little bit, but really it comes when you're supporting. So what that would look like is he comes out and he's crying and you just sit with him, whether he wants to sit on your lap or you sit next to him. And you can just say like, I know it's really hard you know, and just again, speaking to, you know, that he's upset from the separation because he's at work. What cue would you give him essentially to make him feel those feelings? Because when we can help him offload, he can actually get them out, you know, versus keeping them. Like when we try to do all these things to get it to go away, it goes away in the fact that he's not crying but then he hasn't worked through it. So it's always punches us later. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And this is going to be a key component in, you know, when you said preschool, the only way we can really help him with the separation, like truly deeply at a behavioral emotional level is to help him resolve all of these hurts that he has about it. Otherwise, like you saw at the last place, he never fully got over it. Like he was still crying about it because he still had stuff stored there. So I would really take this opportunity because you don't have to create it. It's just handed there to you. So just sit there and let him have his feelings. Um, And if he starts to come out of it a, a little bit, the goal is to re-stimulate him a little bit, which means 
you're going to cue him to remind him of this separation. That sounds really mean. <laughs> I know it does. But it's because we want to make sure he's let off everything that is holding him down right now. <clears throat> because if we don't, then it's just going to be more of the same. Like he's processed a little bit, but he hasn't really worked through it. And especially at this point, because he's used to not crying it out, like he's, you're not sitting through crying sessions already. He's not used to doing that. So it might take a little bit to pull that out of him before he just like naturally does it. So you would, you'd say, you know, like he starts to kind of calm down. You can just say like, I know it's really hard when he has to be at work. When you wake up, if he starts to cry again, <clears throat> you know, that he still has feelings about it. If he doesn't and he's okay, then you might say like, do you want to call him and say good morning? Because then, you know, if he's not going to like re-engage in the crying, then he's probably resolved whatever he needed to that morning to be you know, moved through. Does that make sense? Yeah. That does. Cause I definitely was trying to like make it go away and not like let him go through it, especially because in the mornings I'm usually rushed. So I'm like, Oh, how can we get through this and move on? But that makes more sense. And in the summertime too, it would be, a more optimal time to practice that because I don't have to go to work. Yeah. And, and when you, when he starts to realize, like, because even though we're not saying like, it's not okay to cry or anything, when we're distracting away, he's feeling like, okay, I like these feelings aren't really like, okay. You know, like I have to keep them in a little bit. So when you start to have more of these sessions and he realizes like, oh, like this is okay. I can have these feelings then things might start to trigger him more in the way that he starts, like your other son starts to cry over things that you're like, that that's like, that's nothing really. But it's, yeah. It's creating that catalyst because then you've brought all these emotions to the surface, all of his feelings. And so when, you know, he gets the cup, he didn't he wanted, but he didn't actually want, you know, then it might create a little bit of a cry. And if you start to notice that pattern, the more that you can sit and let the crying happen and just be with him, like I'm right here with you sort of a thing, the more those feelings are going to resolve and the more they can resolve, the better he can think, the less aggressive he's going to be. And then, you know, eventually as he has to separate, the less challenging that will be for him. That makes sense. And it's so interesting because I totally judge people who get mad at their kids for crying. Like I've known people that have like punished their kids for crying. Like that's like what babies do. And I've never, like we've always validated feelings and like been okay with crying and stuff. But it's interesting because like what I was doing, while not as bad as punishing your kid for having feelings, um, but I was still like, I mean, inadvertently telling him, like, don't have those feelings. Let's move on. But it was more just because I wanted to make his hurt feelings go away, but they weren't really going away. I mean, most of the time it's except for those people, you know, it, it's <laughs> from a good place. Like we don't want our kids to feel upset, but then, you know, we, and I always think about, you know, sometimes it really helps me to think about myself in this situation. If I were in his shoes and I was really upset, would it help me if somebody was like, oh, you'll get to do that later? Or, you know, like trying to help you through it. Like, is that what you feel like you would need? Or would you just be like, 
can I just have my feelings, you know? So if you're kind of in a place where you're like, I don't know what to do here. I always try to pull it back to myself because that tends to be helpful. And because they're just tiny versions of us, you know? Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for the special time is like twice a week, not enough, or like it should be like daily. I think for him, if you want to see the most change, at least starting, I would really recommend every day. If that's really hard, start with what you can do, because what we don't want is to be like, we're going to do special time every day. And then he thinks you're going to do special time every day. And then you don't. So if you don't think you can do it every day, start with two or three times. And then the goal being like, we're going to work up to five days a week or every day or, or whatever you can do. Cause I, I do think the more, the better, but I don't want you to be like overwhelmed by doing it because then you either won't do it or you're going to start like, we're going to do it every day. And then you don't, and then it falls off. So start with what you can do with the goal to be, I would say at least five days a week okay. if you can get there or whatever yeah. you can get to, you know, like make it realistic for yourselves, but knowing like, this is the one thing like, yes, listening is great. All of that is really good. The other things that I teach people on all good, but the number one thing, the number one way to transform behaviors is special time. Like I have had people who their kids are hitting in, in class. They're being removed every day. I literally said, try a special time. I checked in two weeks later. Oh, he hasn't been removed from the classroom at all. And that's not happened in six months, you know? So it is really, really powerful. So whatever you can start with and then try to work it up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why it seems so hard, but it's probably because by the time he gets home, I'm just like, okay, I'm done. You're up (laughs) because I'm so tired. Um, So, but I mean, we need to do it. And it's also hard because we're like, I feel like we're too busy, which I know you would agree with and it's my fault, but like, we'll like meet friends for dinner. We're like, they have both have soccer. We're like busy every weekend and we're doing stuff together, but it's, it's a lot, you know, like we're going places, we're busy all day and I'm sure they're exhausted, but it's fun exhaustion, but it still doesn't ever give us that one-on-one time. Did he take a nap? Yeah, uh, he should take a nap. He takes a nap at preschool. <laughs> Like when he was in his daycare preschool thing, they said he was like the best one at taking a nap. Like he was the first one to just go. He didn't want to be there. (laughs) And at our house, he has like. Thing for me to be here, you know. Yes, that's what makes me so sad now. All this stuff like makes sense. But at our house, he has like massive FOMO. Like he does not want to miss out on anything. We were just talking about this. I sometimes give up on naps because it literally takes me like an hour sometimes to get him to take a nap of like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, yeah, it's like a hundred degrees here and we don't have air conditioning. So I'll take spend like an hour to get him to go to sleep. And it's like a fight, like it's like tears and he doesn't want to. And I have to be there with him the whole hour. And then he usually doesn't even take that long of a nap. And then, so this is another separation thing. If he wakes up by himself, like I'm literally right here and he's in the next room with the door open. Like it's not 
scary. It's his normal bed. He's it's my bed. It's our bed. He sleeps in all the time. And like the second he wakes up, like I'll I'll call for him or I'll be right there. But he wakes up horrible, crying, angry. It takes him like 30 minutes to recoup. Um, it's like horrible. But if he if like today, he actually took a good nap because we spent the day at the pool and he fell asleep on the way home and he took like a two and a half hour nap and I could like I just happened to go in there because I'm like, he should be waking up soon. And I noticed him kind of stirring and I like laid down right next to him and like put my arm around him and he like slowly woke up and to him, I was just there the whole time. And he was totally happy, woke up in a great mood. But if he wakes up by himself at our house, he is like inconsolable. So I know that seems odd because he's in a safe place and he knows where he is but again that's triggering that separation and when you're triggered you go back to that feeling that you originally had around whatever hurt that was so if he was really upset from separation from daycare he's transported back to that feeling he can't think like oh i'm at home i'm safe you know he's just like where's my mom you know like i need her right now so again i would take that opportunity if that happens So I personally think that if you have the ability on that day, I would wait out there for him, not lay next to him when he's waking up and allow him because that's a natural opportunity then for you to listen to his feelings because he feels separated. You can come in and just listen to the feelings because then he can process through them versus if you're, you know, um, taking him into thinking I was there the whole time on days that you're like I just I can't handle it then do that like it's fine I just think if there's days where you're like okay I can do this it's been like two hours I'm good then let the feelings come out because the only way we're gonna get through this is to have the big feelings and should I ask him questions or just let him cry because he usually will like this is usually where I'm sitting because that's like my time to like do nothing for like a little bit and so he'll come out usually come out like first he'll cry for a while and if I don't go in which sometimes I don't because maybe I'm like doing something and then he'll come out and just like I'll be like oh do you want me to hold you and he'll just like come up here and like kind of fall back asleep but cry and slowly wake up and be really grumpy but he doesn't really talk he's just mad so I would if he's crying I would go in there And if you, you know, like I would try as best you can to get in there while he's crying and then just say like, I'm right here with you or you're safe. Same things as you would say the other times. And just like, if he's starting to come out of it a little bit, but he's still grumpy, it's because he's still like, those feelings are still there. He just hasn't let them off. So if you can do the re-stimulating and like, kind of like, you know, is it really hard for you when you wake up and I'm not right next to you? Okay. Like speaking what you think he's feeling, because then he's going to be like, yeah, you know, and like start into the feelings. And that's the goal. Like, okay. yeah, it sounds bad. Like, bear. No, I'm just cry, but, <laughs> because when you're supporting him, you know, then he's going to actually work through the feelings and then you're not going to see all the anger and the fear. The other thing I want to say before, you know, we wrap up is that Um, and I don't know if you've been, if you've done this, but with other families that I have worked through a lot of separation stuff with, they will say, you know, like, oh, I just like sneak out because it's easier. So I don't know if you guys feel that if you do that at all, like there's really never a time to sneak out. I mean, so no, I don't feel like we do that. 
Well, if there ever was, I would just say, don't do that because, um, then the problem is he's that like, that's going to amp up the fear. Then he's going to be wondering whether we could speak yes. out at any time. Yes. Yeah. So, um, just want to throw that in there. Cause I know a lot of parents will say, well, it's just easier and it does feel easier in the moment, but it makes things harder. So really work on special time, start with what you can handle and then try to increase from there. And I really think like for you, if you can work it out where your older son can like, I don't know, do something by himself right before nap time. Yeah. I don't know if he can, I'm not sure how he's, well, he has so I would say he has separation problems too, just not just because he's never he literally won't play without us. Like he won't even play with his bro- like we've ruined our we're like very hands-on parents, I feel like, but I feel like we ruined our kids because we do everything with them and now they don't want to do anything without us. Like my older son won't my older son doesn't want to play. Like they have a playroom and everything downstairs and he does not my younger one he'll want to go play down there with his brother but his brother does not want to go down there unless we're down there too so but yes I can try I think that a lot of things that you are going to do for your youngest are things to do with your oldest focus on your younger son because he obviously has behaviors that are not safe but if your older son starts to cry and you have the capacity I would try to sit and listen to him too because when they don't want to play alone, once we can work through some of those deep feelings, they will, because I have the same thing. My son, my oldest is five and a half and he was the same way. He would never play alone. And I'm like, you're five or four, whatever it was (laughs) like, like, he'll be like, I'm afraid to go in my room. And I'm like, you just ran outside by yourself. And this is like 10 feet away, you know, like it's, I'm, I can hear everything you're doing, but it's just, it's all those feelings. They can't really think that well. So, um, what I was just going to suggest is if you can even do like, I don't know if you let them watch TV or whatever, if you need to, or whatever, like if, if he can watch 10 minutes of a show or something and you can do, you know, 10 minutes of special time with your youngest right before nap time, sometimes that can be really helpful. It can be really helpful for sleep. Because if you're feeling all these feelings, even think about yourself, if you're really stressed and you try to go to bed, you might be tossing and turning or replaying situations in your head or like what you might say or all this stuff. And it's hard for you to sleep. It's the same with kids. When they have all these things going on, it's hard for them to just lay down and fall asleep unless they're like really tired. So if you can put it right before nap time, that might help him be connected enough where he's not like all these things are going on and he can actually settle down to rest. That makes sense. And it does seem like a lot of things we did set our kids up for having separation. Like they, our, our six-year-old sleeps in our room too. He has his own bed on the floor, like on a mattress, but he won't sleep in his own bed. Like we've tried not enough probably, but like we'll try for a couple days in a row and they just end up coming back up to our room. And I don't, I mean, unless you don't like it, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think he just also had, I don't think it's because of how you live. I think it's just, there's a lot of feelings that need to come out. Once those feelings can be processed for whatever, it could be because he has a little brother and he doesn't have all the attention anymore. You know, like, especially if he's more highly sensitive, that's Mm -hmm. really hard, even if he doesn't have the harder behaviors. So it's not necessarily like, 
you're creating this separate problem with separating. It's just, there's feelings that maybe because you don't have to separate a lot, aren't being triggered as much. And then, you know, you're not sitting through them. So they're still there. So I like that reason. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's if if you like it, you know, if you don't, then obviously you can work on it, but really it's just creating that special time and then letting the feelings like just sitting through them and not feeling like you have to stop them because feelings are good. And when they can be released, then, then they might be like, I want to be in my own room or I want to go play this by myself for a little bit, or I need a little bit of time to do this. And then you won't feel so much like, you know, there's, they just can't do any of that. Okay. That makes sense. Do you have any last minute questions or clarifications? No, I think that will focus on the special time and the letting him feel the feels. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. This was really helpful. Yes, I, feel I'm like I, realized, I feel like I realized some things that I didn't realize before. Well, that's the goal. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and tag me at Kaylee Josire and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.